been around long enough to not make a, a big issue like out of just like two losses. Um, I mean, as dumb as it is, like young me would have lost tonight's game. I would have went in there, overthrown, walked guys, gave pits, and we'd have lost tonight's game. So just being around long enough to kind of just not panic and just relax and just, we got today's game, that's it. We can't change the past. So that was it. It's funny, you know, I was thinking last night, Kevin, about Chris Bassett. And, uh, you know, some of the stuff we saw in spring training and, and, and the fidgeting and the, you know, and we're sitting there going, oh, my God, this guy is like, you know. He's thinking of words to explain it. He exposes his soul after every game, <laughs> you know, and, yeah. and, and, oh, my God, the pitch timer is going to be an issue. And, um, you know, he's got eight pitches. And how is this all going to work? And he's going to outthink himself. And, he, you know, I mean, he just, this is a guy in the playoffs last year, kind of had a meltdown because of the pitch. Con basically ended up yelling into his catcher, fastball. Yeah. Now, uh, and you coined the phrase, you said he was needy. I did, yes. And you didn't say it in a mean way, but you said no. he was needy, and most people agreed with you. He looked at him, and we thought, you know what? This guy is going to be so, so high maintenance. Well, he's got a 27-inning scoreless streak. He has turned out to be anything but high maintenance. He is as close to Kevin Gosman in terms of situation management as, as there is in this team. Um, I mean, you can still get flustered. We saw that, that dugout meltdown a couple of starts ago after, and after that it. one inning, but that was also, and, and quite frankly, I mean, he was, he was, he was, he was squeezed by the umpire in at least three pitches. It, it, it was a frustrating outing, mm. but man, yesterday, you know, considering everything that's gone on in this series to have a guy like that out there after you've lost two games, in control, literally, and, and I'll tell you this: the the pitch having the the pitcher have the pitch calm and using the pitch timer, he's it's it's made his game better. It's taken his game to another level. Yeah, I'm not sure how you can. I, I'm not sure how to to answer if that's helped or not. I, do we really know? Like, yeah. I, how, how he said? How how is it? Just you you manage. I think it's allowed him to get into a rhythm and to stay into a rhythm. I think the fact that he's got all those pitches, you've already got a seed of doubt in the hitter's mind because the guy's got eight pitches. Mm -hmm. Now he's got eight pitchers, and he's throwing with two seconds left. He's throwing with six seconds left. He's throwing with 11 seconds left. Yeah, I guess left. it couldn't hurt. It's, yeah, yeah, I guess it, it couldn't it hurt. To, it allows him to vary things in a guided way because the clock is right there. You know how much time you've got to deliver the pitch. You know how much time the hitter knows you have until you can deliver the pitch. I Look, I, I just think that he's, we've said this in this show time and again. They, they're, they're, I, not I, third, they're not in third place without him. Oh, they're in last place third, without him. Yeah. Uh, let's let's yeah. just be clear. That's a, they're they're in last place and uh, fighting, a, fighting to be 500 without absolutely. him. Absolutely. I, I, I always try whenever you see pitchers that are doing well, how you would game plan against it. Like, you know, that they always talk about that. Hitters always talk about what's the game plan going into today. You know, I, I, I talked to a couple of coaches the other day, and they were saying, I can't talk to you because we're having meetings about the upcoming series. Okay, great. And I think about how, if I were a hitter, how I, you would attack Chris Bassett. And if you watched him last, last night, he faced 26 batters. He threw 19 strike once. He's very... Uh, he's very efficient when it comes to location of OO. 
oh when you don't throw a bazillion miles an hour is a big deal, right? And he threw five different pitches for strike one. So right there, if I just watched that and I'm thinking about early in the count because I know he has seven pitches. He doesn't throw a split finger, so really he has seven instead of eight. If he throws seven pitches, how am I going to eliminate before I walk to the plate early in the count at least three or four of them, right? Yeah, because that's ultimately what you're trying to do. And then he comes up and he can throw five different ones, oh for strike one. He had 11 of those. 19 off the sinker. So now all of a sudden, because of the sinker, it opens up him being able to misfire on a slider and get away with it, misfire on a changeup and get away with it, throw a cutter down the middle that didn't cut and have it go where he wanted it to go down the middle because of that sinker is so good. He can backdoor it to a righty. He can throw it up to a righty. He can throw it up to a lefty, which is a no-no, I would think, when you don't throw 100 miles an hour. He throws... Top end at about 94. Low end is 69. So if you're a hitter and you're trying to game plan, I'm trying to split that in half, eliminate half the velocity, and try and go, okay, I'm probably not good enough to let it travel and be able to try and hit the 69 to 80. So I'm going to eliminate, try and eliminate those because of where I'm trying to hit the baseball. I would scoot closer and try and pull everything. Trying to let that travel, you really can't do it. And then he's very efficient. He threw 14 pitches per inning yesterday. That's how you go seven what, uh, innings because of that reason, right? He's very efficient. He throws strike one. He can put you away. How many different pitches did he use to put guys away yesterday? Uh, for strike three, he had four different ones. That, that's the four-seamer, the two-seamer, the sweeper, and the cutter. You have all of those things to worry mm. about, right? It's it's you're trying to have an educated guess with a guy that can throw this many pitches for strikes because if he doesn't throw two or three of them for strikes, good hitters eliminate those, and they're going to sit hard, and they're going to sit location, right? They'll give you one half of the plate. They'll look this half until you get to two strikes. It's just when he's able to go to quadrants of the strike zone with multiple speeds, multiple pitches, I just don't know how you game plan against it. I guess you don't. I guess when he's got it all working, the sinker was working the way it is. He's very unpredictable. He's throwing the strike one the way he is. I guess it's looking like it's looking. You don't. 3-0, the Jays won last night. Danny Jansen walked it off in the 10th inning with a three-run home run. Uh, Jordan Romano, two innings of relief for the win. and it More fastballs and sliders. More fastballs and sliders. And it was a game, Kevin Barker. These numbers are... I don't know how you won this game, basically. One for 17 with runners in scoring position. Uh, how many did we say left on base? 15. Well... A ton left on base. Etobicoke. Etobicoke left on base, essentially. (laughs) Um, And opportunities to uh, put together big innings. Not being able to come through with the the big hit. Um, No Vladdy in the lineup uh, because of a sore knee. The MRI luckily was negative. But uh, no Vladdy in the lineup. Uh, Yeah, yet... And, and no Kevin Kiermaier because of uh, because of the virus that's going around the clubhouse. Mm-hmm. Yet Danny Jansen's the right man at the right time. Yeah, I'm I'm not thinking against that Wandy this Peralta. I, well, against this. I I don't think consistently they can win a bunch of games doing these kind of things. Dalton Varsha's three for his last 28. He's hitting a buck 70 with runners in scoring position. Matt Chapman's got one RBI in his last 15 games. Alejandro Kirsch got two RBIs in his last 15 games. George Springer's got three homers in his last 30 games. Vladdy's just basically steady. 
He's got 11 RBIs in his last 15 games. He just hasn't really got on a heater and started helping carry this team for long periods of time. That's the thing, Jeff, is how do you get some guys going? The Dalton Varsho thing, I think you're starting to see a little bit of a theme, right? The lower half is a little bit more of a push. That's why you see the down and in is an easier way to go to him. The elevated fastball is an easier way. You would think a younger guy with bat speed the way he does can make a little bit of an adjustment, get on top of one of the high fastballs, pull it foul, get you doing something else. For whatever reason, the valleys are a little bit more than the peaks, right? Right now with him. And maybe it's a little unfair where they're putting him in the order. Don't think that would change the way they pitch to him because of the lower half. I'm sure the khakis see the exact same thing I see, right? It's back foot to slider. It's elevate the four-seamer. Like, it's not a ton of real hard way to get him out, especially when you're getting those guys and runners in scoring position. I think that's why you're seeing a buck 70. I I don't know what you do there. Like, I understand it was the one for 17, and you had really great starting pitching. Jordan Romano, for me, that's one of his better outings. Yes. I mean, without, at that, without, he, without wa- he walks away from that thing going, my fastball up place. I can throw that, that more. Well, make my slider that, pitch he threw, that much better. That pitch he threw Anthony Rizzo, 97 mile yeah, an hour, had elevated. Had run to it, too. Had, had a run, run to it. it, yeah. I mean, Kirky was standing up to yeah. catch it, basically. Yeah, it, it should tell him something that that thing's pretty good. And velocity located is really, really, really hard to hit, even for a really hot hitter like Anthony Rizzo. So I don't know what you do there. Like, I, there's some guys and that also we have most are struggling to We ton. have to mention, by the way, too, I mean, the Yankees, they made two errors in the first two plays of the game. Uh, I mean, Varsho comes up to the plate with runners in first and second, no out after two errors by the Yankees. The Yankees do not have a good game in the field. That last mm-hmm. inning is set up by what well, wasn't really set up because you've got the uh, the ghost runner in second base to begin with, but um, uh, a, a play not made by Anthony Volpe it was was crucial. It was crucial in this game. Yep. And you know, for the Jays, I guess the play that will probably gets brushed off because of this, but we'll talk about it later. Kevin Biggio caught off second on a double play in the eighth inning. Alejandro Kirk hitting a soft liner to Anthony Volpe. He jumps to the air. Kevin Biggio, you're, the rule is freeze and go back to the bag. Kevin Biggio took a couple of steps toward third, then got to the, back to the bag, doubled off. That can't, ha- that can't happen. He's on this team for two reasons. Clearly not to hit. He's on this team because he's apparently a pretty good base runner, and he has got some defensive versatility. I mean, that that just can't happen. We can have that. If the Jays had lost that game, all we'd be talking about today was Kevin Biggio. All we'd be talking about today is Kevin Biggio. We will still talk about that later on. Dan Schulman joins us, Jeff Passan as well. But uh, I want to focus more on the lineup because I think, Kevin, now, as you look at this lineup, and I, you know... If you don't want to drive yourself nuts, I'm going to give you a little hint. Don't go and look at what Lourdes Gurriel and, and Gabriel Moreno are doing in Arizona right now. But um, as you look at this lineup, I, I'm I'm with you. It's it just seems incomplete, even when everybody's everybody's healthy. Up. I'm beginning to buy into your whole run producer thing, like that. Oh. It is a that it is a thing. It's an art that as much as Teoscar Hernandez was a tire fire in the outfield and. You know, maybe his act was wearing a little thin on the coaches yeah. and the teammates. Now that you've, now that he you've drove seen the lineup runs. for 43 games, who is gonna, who's going to be the 25 and 80 guy? Name, name him. That's, Other than the guys that you obviously, the two guys, 
Bo and Vlad. No, I don't see Other one. Than those I, I don't see two, one. Who would it be? I, I don't see one. Maybe, 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 maybe Matt Chapman, but but I don't see one. And there's nobody in the minor leagues either. So I, no, I don't. I don't see one. And George Springer. Now George Springer's made a little better contact. At least he's been he's been parts of things a little more in this series. But man, dude's still got one double. I, I look at this. Vladdy doesn't have a home run at home. How the hell does that happen? The Jays. How many home runs have they hit at home? Uh, they're like 19th and or no, they're like 27th in baseball at hitting home runs at like, home. I can't remember that. 28 or something. I can't remember the number, yeah, but it's I mean, very, it's it's small. It's not a big number. Clearly, the new dimensions at the ballpark. You know, I think a lot of us thought that at this point it'd be home run, home run heaven for the Jays. Um, well, they have ran into some good pitching at home. I mean, yeah. I, you, you got to tip your hat sometimes to, to the opposing team. They had good George pitching Springer's last. They had good pitching. Start. They ran into yeah, good yeah, pitching they, last year at home they, too, and they, they clubbed home runs. They, they did. Uh, the home runs coming streaks. I mean, I, again, I'm not making excuses for guys, but some guys have gotten off to some slow starts. Uh, you know. Alejandro Kirk, I think, sometimes looks like he didn't know the season started yet. George Springer should fall out of bed and have a double. There you go. I mean, he should. You would think he that. He just should. You would think that. His singles should be doubles. You would think that. he's very, Again, he's very straight up and down. Looks looks to me like the bat speed, it is what it is. I don't, I don't know if he's had elite bat speed ever in his career, but he's had enough. Uh, the breaking ball seemed to, early in the season, give him a little bit of trouble, but... Yeah, it seems again. The, you could go down the list. I just said some numbers there with some guys who, when it matters the most, the at bats need to get a little bit better, right? You need to get yourself in some educated counts because you can tell some guys in this lineup are guessers. When you're a guesser, you got to take the close one to get the one that you can educated guess on. That's somewhere where you can do maximum damage on. And right now, it just seems like they're not really doing that. It's not lack of effort. I'm I'm sure. Those are some things that uh, one or two of these guys need to have better at bats, and you can't continue to go one for 17 and think you're going to win a bunch of baseball games. Tonight's game, the series finale, will pit Jose Barrios against Nestor Cortez. Nestor Cortez, not the Nestor Cortez uh, that, we, uh, that we've seen last year. He's got a 5.53 ERA. How important would a split be? For the Jays here. Yeah, I think it would be. I mean, the way we've talked, we talked about, about the last, last yeah, night's yeah. game. Biggest win of the year My, so far? Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I, you know, again, Just I, because of everything I, everything I that had gone on with this the to you. I think Judge it, and early, Domingo Herman. Early in the season, it's very individual. Yeah, I hate it. It is very individual. Everybody's trying to find their way. Everybody's trying to find what, why it's not working. If it's working like Chapman, like he wants to try and continue that going. It's very individual. It is an individual sport that if you're doing your job, you look like the best teammate in the world. Like that's just the way it is. So I, that's I, biggest game of the year. Uh, no, I I'm didn't not, say that. I, I said biggest win of the year so far. Yeah, I guess you could say that. Yeah. I mean, I don't think people for the Blue Jays that play every day care about Judge or the Yankees. Oh, I think they do. Do you think so? Oh, hell yeah. I don't think they do. Oh, you don't think they realize that, that the Yankees had been flipping the bird at them for, for two uh, yeah, days? I, th- I think it's more, it, might more, it might more be the the pitching staff, the coaches, and maybe the two catchers. Yeah. And then there's everybody else. I don't know. I, the Yankees kind of pushed them around for two games. Did I, yeah, I guess. I mean, they did. The, I, Jay, I the, Jay, the, Yankees, the Yankees pushed them around. And the Jays didn't have much in the way of a response. Didn't you say the judge did the, the hiding of his eyes, the 17 yeah, he got a single. Up, he, up the he, middle? You know, 
was on. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, just, he's mad he got caught. Uh, yeah, I know. But the point. What happens. But but again, the point is, you know, the second game of this series. Yeah, he, it's like the Yankees. I mean, John Schneider yesterday did a very good job of turning the page, and I think we probably all should. Although I do think at sure. some point you're going to see somebody fire one at, at Aaron Judge. It may not be now, but it, it may be it maybe maybe later. I mean, we'll see. It may be it may be later in the year. But uh, the the point being that the Yankees essentially went out of their way in the second game of this series to do exactly what Major League Baseball suggested they don't do. They did exactly what the Jays complained about to Major League Baseball. If that isn't if that isn't giving you a raised middle finger, nothing is. Like basically, yeah, we know you called. It's like you, you, we went to the principal's office because you didn't like that I did this to you. So you know what I'm going to do the next day? I'm going to do it to you again. Uh, so no lessons learned. But no you could, but you learned. could you could almost you could also flip that on the other side and say if you make good pitches like Chris Bassett did, Jimmy Garcia made enough to not give up any runs. Tim Mesa made what two good pitches to get one guy out. Uh, Jordan Romano made a bunch of good pitches because he used his fastball more, more, and it was located. What's your confidence better. level like, in Tim Mesa? Not great. I mean, I, oh, I, I'll take that back. When it's ninety four, ninety five, and occasionally ninety six, like it was yesterday, it's he a lot higher. He still walked higher. He still walked two guys. Yeah, they yesterday. were not competitive. But yeah, this is again. This gets back to that thing where when playoff time comes, the Blue Jays are in it because you only have one lefty down there. It's sort of forcing your hand that your pocket is against the other team's best two lefties. And who's going to get the ball? I'd almost give it to Richardson next time. You know, it won't happen. If Tim Mason's on the team then, it'll look exactly like it looked in the playoffs against Seattle, but they're trying to flip a guy around right-handed because he doesn't hit the ball in the air right-handed. So this is sort of what you're getting, right? Tim Mason's a great dude. When his stuff is, the velocity is up and it's not 90 like it was a couple of nights ago against against Anthony Rizzo when it's 94, 95, 96, at least you got a decent chance of when you're a little wild and they bring in a pinch hitter, a younger guy, you can make a pitch because you got the velocity, you can get away with some things. So yeah, it, it's I think I I think this is sort of if you had your doubts sometime in the offseason and coming into the season about where you thought the Blue Jays were at. I think we're sort of pointing the finger at it, right? You're, they're asking some of the guys in the lineup, they're asking maybe too much for uh, to get out of, right? Dalton Varsho is one of those guys. And I've been saying this to you since spring training, and I saw him in spring training. It's got nothing to do with him. Uh, he's a young guy coming to the American League East and uh, coming to a team from the Diamondbacks who are supposed to win the World Series. It's a big difference. And now you're throwing him in the cleanup spot. He's hitting third when Springer's not there. Vladdy's not there. He's hitting fifth. He's a, they're expecting him to be a run producer. Dalton Varsha's a run producer. Not in my mind. He's trying to find his way. It's not his fault. But I think when you're looking at it and the people that may have had their doubts in the offseason about the Blue Jays is sort of... The rotation, I think they're going to figure it out. They'll, Manoa will figure out what he's doing with well, the slider. Well, we're, we're almost at, you know, and we're almost at the point now with the Jays' rotation. Now, let's see what the next two games bring. But if you get, if this is the Jose Barrios you're going to see for the rest of the year, Not and bad. if this is the Yusei Kikuchi you're yeah. going to see through the rest of the year, mm-hmm. you might be able to ride out whatever it is that's bothering Alec Manoa, provided he figures it out. I still sure. think... It's not over the course of the year. If Alec Manoa is what he is now in August, it's not going to be good. They may not make the playoffs because of it. But at least now the the you've got guys who can who can steady the ship 
while you try to figure out what is going on. Yeah. Uh, what Very is cool. going on with Alec Manoa? Speaking of Barrios, I mentioned he and Nestor Cortez. That will be the matchup tonight. What do you uh, What do you expect from Barrios against against the Yankees? I think it's always what it is, right? If he's he's got the velocity, the mechanics are there. He seems confident, convicted in what he wants to throw, when he wants to throw it, the sequencing and all those things. I think it's his misses. His misses have to be good against the Yankees. The Yankees, especially when they got some lefties in there, which is sort of his little issue is. Right, he'll throw the front hit to Seymour. Uh, a lot of the times that thing doesn't go where he wants it to go. It's middle. So for me, it's more about the misses. I think he's figured out everything else that was, you know, uh-oh, Barrios last year. And now at least, you know, when he's not having a pitch that he needs, he can at least give his team a chance to win. So I, I think it's two things. I think it's strike one. It's very important. We've seen that. It seems like... And it's no surprise, every time one of these pitchers have a good start, look at Gosman, look at Bassett. They throw strike one. They get ahead. Now you're on the defensive if you're a hitter. Barrios can't pitch behind a lot. Pitch ahead, throw a lot of strike ones. You do that, now all of a sudden maybe if you throw a slurve, sweeper, whatever you want to call that thing, and it's not where you want it to go, maybe you'll get away with it. If you start a two-seamer because you're ahead in the count, to Anthony Rizzo, and it's down the middle, maybe he pulls that foul because he's out in front instead of letting it travel a little bit, hitting a home run to right center. So that that is that is sort of, you know, I don't expect him to go seven innings, but I, I expect him to give his team a chance to win late in the game if he does those two things. Dan Schulman will join us at 11 o'clock. Jeff Passon at 11.30. We've also got our Blue Jays keyword ticket giveaway to get to in the Next hour, a reminder that tonight's first pitch is 7.07. Again, it's on Sportsnet 590, the fan. Mm. And You want to talk about the the Kevin Biggio stuff? Get that out of the way. Whatever it is you want to say. I mean, we did. Because I'm running out of things we, to we say We kind of did. He's, like not, I don't. He's, he's not a very good player. Um, yeah, see I, see, I don't agree with that. I, I think he's a good defense. I think that's the wrong way to say it. I, I think he's having some some – Problems trying to figure out himself offensively, which is keeping him from playing a ton. I think he's a good defender. I think other than last night, he is a really good base runner. He's a smart guy. He cuts good angles. He gets good jumps. He gets good leads. He's just not on base a ton. It's the offensive side. If he was a 225 hitter, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Can he help you win a game? Uh, defensively, running the bases, absolutely. Okay. Offensively, probably not. He's a, he's a he's getting to the point where he's an easy out. See, I can't decide. He has a it, giant hole in his swing. Yeah, here's what I can't decide. I can't decide if if this team, if George Springer was doing George Springer things, and 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 Varsho was better. Maybe we wouldn't be and Alejandro Kirk hadn't gone off the slow start. Kevin, Maybe we wouldn't ever. be talking about Kevin. That we Kevin would. to be the twenty-sixth guy in the team, yeah. and and he'd play, uh, you know, and and he'd be We'd in the ninth. Play. He'd be in the ninth <laughs> inning for yeah. defense or whatever, and and yeah. Um, but you know, I think the fact that this team's bench right now, there's there's just there's not a lot. You 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 look in a late game situation, you start saying, okay, who's 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 John going to bring in to pinch hit? This is not John has said out there's not loud a lot there that we're thinking we're trying to get contact like they they are begging 
so much. It's not about having a quality at bat just and trying to drive in a run. Bat just trying to ball. put a ball in play, right? Yeah. You're putting that guy up that you think can do that against a certain guy that's standing on the mound. I'm with you. This is what I said. There's some flaws here. The flaws would be not as obvious if the guys that play every single day were starting to turn the corner. I mean, they're 43 games deep. Like this, thing the season. About, like this stuff about, you know, it's spring training and, you know, that's over. Like, it's not early anymore. That's over. The bats need to get better, and they need to get better from the guys that play every single day. They know their names. Like, yeah. those are those are the dudes. If you're going to hit third, you're going to hit fourth, you're going to hit fifth. I just don't. I, I, it's time. I guess the question I have for you is on this team, given the fact that this team is going to be playing important games, can you have a guy on your bench that you do not, that you go out of your way to not see at the guy, plate? Guy? Absolutely. Guys? Absolutely Guys. not. Correct. Absolutely like, not. Like, what is your confidence level right now in Espinal and Biggio getting a hit See, for I don't mind Espinal. I think he's short enough with his lower half. I think he his stride is short enough. His swing is compact enough. I think he has enough bat speed. His swing, his barrel path is level enough that it gives him a decent chance to hit velocity. So I don't mind to him. But with Kevin offensively, he has a giant bend at the waist. He has a natural uppercut in his swing anyway. And when you do the kicking of the thing that he does and the first move before the ball is released is drop your hands, where do your hands want to go? Back up. Back up. And when they go back up, you're late. And when you're late, what do you do, Jeff? You do 70-30 with your backside. 70-30. And what's that do to your barrel? It dips it more. When it dips it more, it goes way below your belt. And that's why you see him either swing through balls that he should be hammering or he pulls it foul because he's got an in and out like an alligator arm look to it. Or he hits that little lazy pop-up like he did last night on on a little get-me-over breaking ball that he should be hammering. So, yeah, again, he's not a great offensive player, but he can help you in other parts of the game. I will say you can't have two or three of those guys on your team. Like, they're going to have to make decisions. And what did Alex say? Anthopolis. Because every single one of these games matter the way they do and the way the Orioles look and the way the Rays look and the way the Yankees, if they get a couple of guys back, pitching-wise, are going to look, and the Red Sox don't seem like they're going to go away. Every game matters. The sooner you can make a move and fill in some spots to give your manager at least a decent chance to make the right move late in the game to give you a competitive at-bat, somebody that can change the game, help you win a baseball game, and just don't run a guy up there because he puts a ball in play. Yeah, I mean, this is a this is you're talking about this team as a championship team. They do not, in my mind, have a championship bench. Can't argue. Uh 416-413-3959. That is the back leg line. We're going to go to it a little earlier today. Dan Schulman will join us at eleven o'clock. Jeff Passan. And uh, we've also got a special programming note that uh I want to get to, and I'll do that. When we come back from the break, it's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Breaking down the top stories in hockey and Elliot Friedman every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
All right, welcome back to Blair and Barker. 416-413-3959 is the back leg line. Mm. You memorized uh, it. Yeah. You didn't even look up that time. And half wow. I got it down here. 43 in games paper. in. <laughs> well, we haven't figured Alec Manoa, but we have figured hey, out 416-413-3959. The you back leg line, your chance to leave questions for Kevin, comments for Kevin. Leave it there. Yeah, leave it there. That's it. And uh, that's all we want. Leave your name and, and, and location, and uh, you know, we'll give we'll you a shout you out. We'll give you a shout out. We'll get you on. Absolutely. Um, so I gotta make a little programming note here. I gotta make sure I get I gotta make sure I get this sucker right. Because there's nothing there's nothing worse than than sort of making some sort of announcement and and you know, and not and just kind of oh, Bah. There it is. Print it out, just so I know. I mean, not that this, you know, I'm aware of this, but I just want to make sure that I get it right because you don't want to mm. annoy anybody. Do, I know, other people do I know what it is? I think so. All right. Uh, with the Leafs now eliminated. Did, why do you, you look that, at me every that, time I say that? Was that on the piece of paper? <laughs> it was. Thought you were making that up. No. <laughs> With the Leafs now eliminated, we are uh, we're going to be shifting our programming to uh, boost our Blue Jays coverage even further. Uh, beginning Monday, which is Victoria Day, Blair and Barker will be on from five to seven on Sportsnet five ninety, the fans, Sportsnet three sixty, and Sportsnet now. And so, of course, we will be leading into the week, uh, weeknight ball games. Kevin and myself will still be doing Blue Jays talk following week night baseball games and weekday games. But again, uh, we are moving from this time slot to 5 to 7 on Sportsnet 590, the fans, Sportsnet 360, and uh, Sportsnet now. That's effective Victoria Day. Uh, And as always, you'll still be able to get us via podcast, uh, wherever you get your favorite podcast. Taking the 10 to noon spot on Sportsnet 590, Sportsnet 360, and Sportsnet Now, and this also starts Monday, will be the return of Jay's Talk Plus with Blake Murphy. Ben Ennis and Fan Drive Time will move from 3 to 5. So it'll be Jay's Talk Plus with Blake Murphy, Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis from 3 to 5, and then we will get you set for the ball game from 5 to 7. So we will effectively be your your pregame show. Nice. Uh, And uh, that will obviously continue until... um, some sort of combination of Jays playoffs hockey comes into play. Mm. So there you go. Five to seven. So Barker and I get to sleep in. Take it. The workout early. Maybe get to sit in the backyard, get some sun. Wow. The summer is going to show up at some point. Sure. I'm told. Again, that is all uh, effective Victoria Day. Five to seven. Nice. Uh, and Sportsnet 590, fans, Sportsnet 360. And uh, and I don't know what happens after the hockey's over, if we're on the Sportsnet mains or what. Don't overthink it. I'm not overthinking it. <laughs> 416-413-3959. The back leg line will still be operational. We'll still be doing in the East. We're trying to figure out how to do a minor league segment as well on mm. the farm, maybe with some farm noises. You know, old McDonald had a farm or something like that as background noises, chickens clucking, uh, hens clucking. Pigs ma- meowing. No, pigs, uh, moo- pigs meowing. Uh, pigs mooing. No, oinking. Thank you. Pigs oinking. Where, where did you grow up? 
Let me tell you. What but about what, where did moved. you grow? Where did you grow? I up? did that intentionally. Uh, did I grew not. up. I grew up. <laughs> I grew up in a small. I did not grow Jeez. up in a farm. I grew up in a. It was quite what? a farm. Let me tell you. You want to know the farm that I grew up on? Oh boy. Anyhow, there you go. I said that deliberately. It's like yesterday when I did Sportsnet three sticky. I was doing that deliberately. The the only hard part about the minor league thing is who, who would we get to talk about the minor leaguers? Maybe that's get, that's the one thing, right? Is maybe get the minor you, leaguers themselves on. Really? That way? Okay. I mean, one thing it seems that with the Jays minor like league system, seems like everybody we get likes to talk. And they're like, good at it. Like Barriera, Tiedemann. These dudes all talk well. They do. Anyhow, we'll, yeah. fi- we'll figure something out. Mm. Uh, but for now, let's go to the back leg line. Scott and Brantford. Scott. I'm just wondering how or when does... Um, do the Jays have to worry about improving their bench? We've been seeing a huge lack of production from seemingly everybody on the bench right now. And I was wondering how vital it would be for the Jays to look to improve that sooner rather than later, be it through a call-up, through a move. Uh, Just curious how how important you think the bench has to be for our team. Thanks. Bye. Yeah, look, I think that would be huge. But who, who would you call up? Who 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 would you who would you there is there anybody in the minor leagues that's doing well enough that you would call up that you know that, I mean that could sit because the thing is right if you call up a young guy who's not really done that before I've tried yeah sit over there for a couple of days not have a competitive at bat and then walk up in the eighth inning and try and face a dude that throws a bazillion who's trying to get you out with a runner on second base is not the easiest thing to do. Point is, they don't grow on trees. I mean, let's look. Let's I don't look know at, if they have anybody. In the let's minor look. Leagues. Let's look at 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 triple A. Um, Addison Barger has still got that elbow. He's not coming up. He needs, he needs to, he needs to, he needs to spend a full year at AAA working through whatever it is. Hopefully the elbows situation isn't, isn't, isn't that big a deal, uh, for him. He needs to do what he's going to do in the minors. Uh, Ernie Clements, a veteran guy. He's a guy that, uh, I think we'll see up here at some point. He's a right-handed hitter. Uh, he's not on the 40-man roster, which is usually important. Spencer Horowitz is on the 40-man roster, left-handed hitter, can play first base. Um, he's kind of, he, he didn't have the greatest start. He's sort of kind of doing okay right now. Um, he might be a guy, you know, he would certainly fit that, 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 uh, that left-handed profile. Mm-hmm. Otto Lopez. I mean, he's got to get it going. He's got to push the envelope to force a, sure. you know, to, to, to really kind First of force the issue. spring training when he didn't make the team, though. Seems Dave, like. Davis Schneider is a guy that you're hearing a lot of people talk about. He is not on the 40 man roster. He is a uh, five foot nine uh, right handed hitter. Um, we haven't we haven't heard a great deal about him. He plays he plays second base, but uh, you know, right? I mean, his average is six home runs, 20 RBI. He's hitting 250. Now, keep in mind that Buffalo typically this time of the year because of the weather. Yeah. Um, there's a bit of an Good issue. Numbers. Jordan Luplo is is a guy. Again, he's not on the 40-man roster, so you would have to make a move yeah. in order to I put think him on. it's about on. winning. You figured out. Yeah, it is about winning. Yeah. yeah. And, and I mean, those are the guys. Now, would they be a huge upgrade? I mean, as long as, as, long as they can contribute offensively. They would be to me an upgrade over Kevin Biggio. But the point I'm making here is there's nobody down there. There's nobody at AAA that 
frankly, there's nobody down there you want to come up and have to play four games in a row for you because sure, of an injury. Or get a there huge at bat. In a, or get a, a huge game. at bat. Yeah, there yeah, is yeah. nobody you that's want. Why you're, that's why you're there, putting him in a game. There is nobody you want. Ernie Clement might be the closest because he's an older guy, yeah, veteran guy. I, it, it, you know. I, I I think it's fine and dandy that we're talking about the bench. Yeah. But, but – <laughs> But the, no, uh, listen, we, we, we it, get we get back to the everyday guys look, and, and Vladimir Guerrero look, Jr. when he comes back it, from I'm sure he'll play today. It, it's, hopefully, it's it's a fair it's a fair point. It though. is. Look at some of the contribute. I mean, look at the guys. Like, use the Yankees as an example, and the and the Jays. You know, now now that the Jays have a payroll that they can have, we can start comparing the Jays to the Yankees and the yeah, big money teams, sure and can. to the Dodgers, and to the Mets. We can start comparing them because they're a luxury tax team. You know, the, Willie Calhoun, Isaiah Kiner, Falefa. I mean, you know, it's the Yankees seem to have guys who can have some sort of an impact on the game offensively. Not a huge impact, no, but can contribute. Walt, can turn Steve, a lineup over. That thing, exactly. Yeah, can draw a walk. You look at all the teams the Jays have played for the most part. All the teams in the AL East, they've got somebody on the bench that sort of demands your attention when they come to the plate. The Red Sox, they've got it. When no, no, yeah, no offense to the guys that Jay send up there. It's almost like we appreciate you sending them up there. Like I, I say yeah. that with all due respect, and it's not really fair sometimes. Nathan Lucas, I mean, it's no, it's not fair to him to even have a conversation when it comes to those kind of things. Kevin Biggio is having the Kevin Biggio year that has, hasn't been great so far. Yeah. I think it's a it's a topic of conversation in the organization. And your but bench, again, I get, but again, I get back to this, Jeff. The, the meat of their order, one for 17 with runners and scoring position, and you go down those stats of when you're hitting in the middle of the order can hide those things that John doesn't have. The other thing I would say is this, and this is not necessarily a defense of guys like Espinal, uh, Belt, maybe not so Belt, but Espinal, Lucas, and Biggio. The Jays have been very, very healthy for the most part. No They've had George Springer miss games with the flu. Yeah. But in terms of injuries, in terms of guys missing time because of injuries, everyday guys have been good. everyday guys yeah, yeah. have been healthy. Yeah. And if everyday guys are healthy, everyday guys are going to be in the lineup. So there hasn't been there really hasn't been that 10-day run for Santiago Espinal where he's or had Kevin to play Biggio because somebody's has to come in or Kevin Biggio. Or eight or nine games Correct. in a row. That exactly. Day. We yeah. haven't seen that. And no. as my friend Mr. Barker points out, and this is, this is true, it's not the easiest thing in the world to be called upon once every five days it's and expect to do to something. Do I mean, baseball. it's just not. It is. You can take all the BP you want. You can see all the soft tossing yeah. and the machines, whatever. It's not the easiest thing Because most of the time, they're getting at bats late in games. Yes. What do you face late in games? Velo. There it is. So it, there's it, the, there are a whole bunch of factors going in here. And we're seeing it now because we have seen guys miss games because of injury or the flu. And because we're 43 games in and there are guys who were – who got everyday guys who are pressing. So now you're starting to see at the start of the year on the list of Jay's issues. I mean, could the Didn't bench, could the bench that. have been better? Are you sure the bench uh, yeah, could yeah. be better? Why not? Every bench could be better. And now they have balance and superstars. They've got left handed He's going to have a exactly. monster year. And so it's, yeah. but it is a good, it, it is a good point. And it's and, a great question. And but this, I, it may be hard to fix there. It, that's huh. very good, but there yeah. has to, I think, I mean, I'm looking at this lineup as it is right now. 
I'm going to go out on a limb and say that after the trade deadline, there are three different established major leaguers on this roster. Wow, on bench a, guys. Well, what I mean, I'm going to say established. Three guys with a little bit more track record than these guys have. I, think, I don't think they have any choice. I don't think the Jays are going to have any choice. And again, I, I mean, I hate to say this, but they've been healthy. Will, and you know what? Will. That... Health, okay. health is not going to hold up over the course of the year. Not with your everyday I guys. I don't want to point the finger, but it would be very hard to get three dudes and an eighth inning guy. Oh, it'd be impossible. <laughs> no, I mean you're not going to you're not going to be able to have that. You're not going to be able be to have hard. it. it the only way hard. you're going to be able to do that, yo, know, you're going to have to put. You're going to have to be creative. You're going to have to trade somebody. You're going to have to trade somebody. They have to have an eight but inning guy. But I, I will tell you that I think after the trade deadline, there will be you know the, the bench is going to look different. Bench is going to look Maybe different. Maybe an everyday guy looks different. I mean, would you be surprised? No. Might be a must. Because we're almost Might at, be the most important part of all this. We're almost at the point now where you, where, unless you got blinders on, this team really does seem incomplete. Like, it really does. Something's it, missing. Something's, something's missing. missing. It is. Something's missing. It is. Todd and Whitby. Maybe, Todd. It's, a home, maybe it's a home run jacket. Todd and Whitby. <laughs> so what I want to know is, uh, what does Kevin okay, I'll and leave. what does Jeff think of the bunt? Because I'm not quite sure if I've ever heard their comments about the bunt, oh, yes, uh, whether they think it's a viable alternative or, or what. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, it's a waste of an out. And, uh, Absolutely. Just wondering what you guys think, because the fact that the Blue Jays are still bunting is mind-boggling to me. Thanks a lot, what, guys. What, when are they bunting? I mean, I, I think he's, you know, he's thinking the far show. No, he's not. The, 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 only, the only person I can think of is the 3 1 bunt down 3 nothing. Yeah. With um, belt hitting. I mean, look. I mean, the, the certain guys at the bottom of your order when your team's not driving in runs late in games, you don't have a choice. Like, it's not like John sits over there and goes, <laughs> first inning, boy, I can't wait till that guy comes up in the eighth so I can bunt him. It's not that way. You're doing it because of what the scoreboard tells you and how all the lineup right now, is not doing what they thought they were supposed to be doing. So you put guys in positions, guy hits a leadoff double in the eighth, you're down a run, he's not a great hitter, you try and make it easier for the, say, the Kevin Kiermaier in a nine hole to not have to get a hit, sack fly, you know, beat a ball on the ground, beat it out, score a run that way instead of actually having to I mean, get I, a hit. I, so for me, it makes some sense. I think it's pretty. I think Certain it's, parts of the game, depending on how everybody else is doing. I think it's pretty easy. I mean, I think the bunt is a wasted out. Um, maybe. I think maybe we need to see a little more of the impact of these new rules, bigger bases, et cetera, et cetera. How many bases are going to be stolen before we can really definitively say whether or not the bunt has a place back in this game? I just think it's a losing strategy if you do it before the eighth inning. I like if I'm at home in that extra inning, absolutely. I'm bunting my first, the first guy up to the plate with a ghost runner on, I'm bunting. I don't care if he strikes out, I'm bunting. Because if I can get a guy to third base and I got two shots to deliver the winning run, this is at home. Two shots to deliver the winning run. I'll take that every Scoreboard day. Scoreboard will tell you everything you need to know. I, and right now, disagree because, of completely. The way, because of the way the lineup is, disagree. Late in games, disagree completely. Does. Well, you can disagree. Well, I, no, I said, That's the way managers I, think. I, I just finished saying, I, late in games, I'm okay with it. I don't ever want anybody bunting before the eighth inning. Yeah. I don't. And if you are on the road and it's an extra inning game, then I don't think you bunt. Because I think when you're on the road, you play for two runs in extra innings. One run isn't necessarily going to 
you're not probably you may not win the game with one run. If you're on the road, you're in extra innings. You play for two runs. I want my guys swinging away. That's how I manage that game. Mm. But other than that, you know, Dalton Varsho bunning for a base hit. I mean, there are times. Okay, if you can do it, do it. But I don't want to ever see any of my guys bunting. Uh, in, in to the, get a guy the, over the to get up the, out. No, no. I'd rather take the chance of having a dude steal a base. I just don't. I don't want to give away. I don't want to give away at bats. To me, the at bats are precious, mm. and I, I, I certainly can't do it early. I remember in the game. you said this, I, but I've said that all along. No, I said that all along. They'll go through a streak where they stink, and it'd be really bad where they're not driving in runs. Nice. And John will just continue to do the same thing over and over again. And you'll be one of the guys that say, I "Well, will, why don't you do this? Or why don't you hit never. and run?" Like they, they'll I, well, there'll be some hands hitting, being thrown in the air. Well, hit and so run is fine. Try something different. Hit and run isn't a bunch. Well, talking about bunt is the same sort of thing when no. you got guys say say a no. bitch guy hadn't played no. in three or four days no. early in the game. No, okay, no. I will remember you no. said this. I down Mr. because there there will be a time no. where this lineup will stink. Not it won't be good. Well, it's right. It, yeah, it, it, I mean there is a time where the lineup stinks. It's not very good this, right now. This is one game. Or but now bunting seven is, eight games. I would never. I would never say, boy, that's great strategy to bunt in the fifth inning. Never, ever, 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 ever. That's why it got rid of pitchers hitting. It makes no sense to bunt. And and to me, bunting isn't even – people talk about small ball. Small ball is doing stuff like putting a hit and run on. It's taking the extra base and all that. It's not bunting. Anyhow, we have another caller. better? John in Toronto. John. I can't believe I got How upset about bunting. How come there's no talk on the show about Guriel Jr. What? 3-12 – didn't somebody just mention that? Yeah, why would we talk about that? I don't understand. Well, sure looks pretty good in the lineup right now, especially at the bottom. Um, I, I, I think well, we did I, talk I, about I it. I think I've been the one guy that says at, in spring training, I said this to you when I was in spring training, we have no idea how good Dalton Varsho offensively will be coming from the Diamondbacks, having – when I talked to some people that were around the Diamondbacks and said he will look, he will frustrate you because you think he should be hammering baseballs that he's not. I think I was the one guy that said that, and I'm continuing to say that because of where they're putting him in the order. I don't it, listen. I, I, what good does it do us to come on this show and go, hey, look way over there? Well, no, what, but at what, this, what those no, two but guys are doing? But that, because well, it's, look. Because all, all, all everybody was doing is last year they were way too right-handed. Yeah, way too right-handed. Kevin, and Lourdes is not a great defender Kevin, in the outfield. Kevin, it's a fair point, though. He's putting up offensive numbers. This team but, isn't putting up offensive numbers. Gabriel yeah. Moreno, let me finish. Gabriel Moreno was their top prospect. Gabriel Moreno's hitting. He's playing good defense. He's better than Alejandro Kirk right now. There isn't a person in baseball that wouldn't take him over Alejandro Kirk right now. You wouldn't. You wouldn't take – put it, let me rephrase that. There isn't a person in baseball who would take Alejandro Kirk over him right now. You wouldn't. If I gave you the choice right now of Moreno or Kirk in this team, you'd want Moreno in this team. You would. Uh, but having said that, I'm, I'm with you on Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. to me is when this team – when the Jays are doing what they are supposed to be doing, Lourdes Gurriel Jr. doesn't get a, isn't a starter in this team because he's not good enough defensively for me. So, 
I mean, that's that's where we are on, on that. So far, yeah, the deal has worked out much better for the Arizona Diamondbacks than it has for the Blue Jays. We can say that. They've had more of an impact on their team than Dalton Varsho has had in the Blue Jays. But Dalton Varsho is also going to be here for a long time. Dalton Varsho is going to be here for four or five years. Hmm. So, uh, And Dalton Varsho makes them a better defensive team, which was something this organization talked about. They had to get better defensively. And, you know, we saw Lourdes Gurriel Jr. last year. We saw the mistakes he made. I, you know, we I don't, also I, saw I, him hit five homers last year. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is going to hit a ton of home runs in this division. I just don't. I don't either. And Moreno, you gave up, you gave up a prospect to get another good young player. But I, I can't. It, it's okay to look back on trades and say, well, this worked, this didn't. But I can't come on after I've said I think it was a good trade and all of a sudden say, you know what, that trade, uh, that trade sucked. And I, I'm not going to say that. I will admit right now the Diamondbacks have won that trade pretty easily. But we're also only 43 games in. Again, I'd rather have Gabrielle Moreno in this team than Alejandro Kirk. I think it's closer than you think it is. I don't think it is at all. I'd rather have Moreno in this team than Kirk. The thing that separates it is Varsho's defense. That's the thing that separates it for me. Well, it's about them getting Moreno, the Blue Jays getting Varsho. It had nothing to do with the other parts of it. Yeah, but you needed a lefty and a better defender. You had to give this up to get it. Again, though, you'd rather have Moreno than Kirk. I mean, right-hand hitting catcher playing with Danny Jansen. Who would you rather have? They're both right-hand hitting. I'd rather have Moreno. Who do you think is going to have a better year at the end of the year? Whose numbers are going to be better? Moreno. That's where we are. Dan Schulman joins us next. Jeff Passan as well. We've got tickets to give away. Stop, stop smirking. Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590. The fans, Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. Most opinionated Maple Leaf show out there. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Well, I learned something about squirrel hunting. Off air. What is the matter with you? We were not talking about that. That is not a squirrel. <laughs> Boy, you, you are... You, oh, you pra- only no, want to hear what you want to hear. You only want to hear what you want to hear. Prairie dog hunting. Prairie dog hunting. What is... What is... <laughs> Stand up! <laughs> oh, Nobody what? gets what we're talking about. If you're living in a prairie rural dogs. area, if you're living in a rural area, you understand what we're talking about with up. prairie dogs and, and their holes and gophers and their holes and they all destroy that stuff. fields. Is what they do. Stand up. <laughs> Anyhow, but they are good eating. How would you know, Stu? You can how make stew would out you of know? Them. You can make stew out of them. Explain to me how you would know. You can make stew. You can eat anything. You can make stew out of them. Have you ever did it? Uh, squirrel stew? Yeah, I've not had not squirrel. squirrel. Oh, prairie dog. No, I've had squirrel stew. How was it? It tastes like chicken. Yeah. Uh, 707 will be the first pitch tonight. What a show the, we have. <laughs> 707 will be the first pitch tonight. It's kind of stringy, a little gamey tasting. Uh, uh, 707 will be the first pitch tonight as the Jays and Yankees wrap up the their four-game series. 
What a <laughs> yeah, they get stuck chilling. in your coat. <laughs> what a series this has been. Last night, let's bring in Dan Shulman, the uh, uh, yeah. Blue Jays play-by-play voice on Sportsnet. <laughs> Dan, it almost seemed like last night you went to a Jays Yankees game and a baseball and a baseball game broke out. <laughs> it was just baseball. It was baseball yeah. stuff being baseballed. Yeah, and it was fun baseball, tense baseball, just baseball. Uh, nice ending for the Blue Jays, obviously. Uh, with the Jansen home run, but uh, yeah, it was uh, it was much more of a baseball game, and it was uh, you know very nice to be talking about stuff going uh, you know going on in the game, and and um, uh, enjoyed it. Uh, I like those zero zero one zero whatever oh, yeah. it is you know kind of games where every pitch means so much. Uh, you know, Bassett was great. Obviously, Cole was really good. What Romano did for two innings was terrific. So there was lots of good stuff going on. Mm-hmm. Um- we were talking about Chris Bassett earlier in the show, and Barker talked about in spring training how we, we'd listen to Chris Bassett after all his outings and, and you know, his 40-minute media sessions and sort of, you know, bearing of the soul and everything mm-hmm. and, you know, and all the pitches he has and the pitch timer and yada, yada. It said there was a lot going on. A lot. Barker said that he struck him as if, if he was kind of needy. Now he's become to me he's become... Must watch. I mean, he's he's like <laughs> Kevin... He's, he's a guy I want in... Uh, you know, in a situation when when everything's everything's going to hell, it seems like he's uh, a guy who has control of everything for the most part when it goes when when a game's going on. Are you surprised that he has turned into that guy? Because you know, I think a lot of people their memory of him is that playoff game, right, against uh, the playoff game where he's having issues with pitchcom and he's, he's sort of t- yelling back and forth with the catcher, and it just it was almost like watching a dude melt down on the mound. And he doesn't seem uh, to be that yeah. guy, Danny. No, I, I mean, I won't claim to have been an expert on Chris Bassett before he came to the Blue Jays, obviously. So, um, you know, I think for a lot of people, unfortunately, the first two impressions or two of the first impressions that a lot of people in Canada got was, boy, that start against St. Louis didn't go well. And then I think, if I'm not mistaken, didn't he take a ball on the first pitch of the second start because yes. pitchcom was messed up? It was, yep. you know, he had, he had hit a button and changed it to like, you know, a Gosman setting instead of a Bassett setting or whatever he did. He wasn't quite sure when I asked him. So, um, I mean, I'm not surprised it's improved from there. Like, you don't have the success that he's had and the reputation that he's had and, and the experience that he has without obviously, you know, doing a lot of things right. And and as you mentioned, he's a very cerebral, thoughtful guy, and he works at his craft uh, a great deal. And you knew it was going to straighten out. It straightened out, you know, plus, plus, plus over the last eight starts or, or whatever it is. And like you said, I think you used the phrase, Jim, like he's in complete control out there now uh, in every way. Um, obviously he's calling his own game. That's a big part of it. I also think he does a masterful job with the pitch clock. You can see there are some times mm-hmm. where he's just getting a few extra seconds here. He's clearly watching the clock behind the plate and, you know, pushing it down to two or one or whatever. Um, I'm going to ask him today. He took a violation or there was a violation yes. last night. Yeah. I, I don't remember who the hitter was. I just judge. remember the count. Judge. Was it, it judge? Was, okay. It, it was judge. And the, yes. And the count was 0-2. Yep. And I'm going to ask him today, did you do that on purpose mm-hmm. just because you needed another 15 or 20 seconds, whatever, whatever it was. And he might laugh at me. I don't know the answer to the question, but it's not like Chris Bassett to let that happen unless maybe there was intent behind that. So I, I'm I'm curious about that, um, you know, whether it's a couple. And, and Garrett Cole did the same thing a couple of times. Mm-hmm. You know, just tur- turn your back to the plate after you throw the pitch and breathe for three or four seconds because the clock doesn't start until the pitcher 
catches the ball, gets the ball back from the catcher. So, you know, when you're experienced, intelligent guys like those two guys are, you're going to, um, you know, you're going to find ways to be successful. But he's done um, just an incredible job. He really has. I, I mean, he's he was brought in. You know, the narrative was he's brought in to be a stabilizer and reliable, and and like he's been way more than that, obviously, uh, over the last eight starts. And it's really fun to watch him. I'm sure you guys feel the same way. Really fun to watch him pitch because he's doing so many different things out there. He throws throws more pitches than any other guy we've ever seen. Dan, I did hear him say after the game that he was fighting a sinus infection and his heart right. rate was going up. So maybe that's why he took the the mm-hmm. ball against Judge to maybe give himself a little bit more of a break. I, I do want to ask about their their offensive woes. I guess I can call it woes. I mean, they were one for 17, but it's I think offensively it's very individual. I don't think this is sort of all a team thing. Like Dalton Varsho is hitting a buck 70 with runners in scoring position. Matt Chapman's got one RBI over the last 15 games. Kirky's got two RBIs over the last 15 games. Springer's got three homers over his last 30 games. Vladdy's just sort of been steady. You know, he hadn't been yet the guy that carries their team for a week and a half, two weeks. Do you think the Blue Jays, I don't want to say, obviously we know they're aware of it, but do you think they can put their finger on why maybe their entire team sort of looks like it looks now? Uh, I, I don't think so because they're, and I'm sure they're working very hard to do it. There have been times where three, four, maybe five guys were really going. Like there were stretches where Bichette Guerrero and Chapman were all smoking hot at mm-hmm. the same time, whether it was a week or 10 days or two weeks, whatever. I don't know. It doesn't matter. But, uh, you know, Varsho had that start, uh, well, actually started well, then had a, a pretty deep valley, then made the mechanical change, the, the leg kick that I know you've talked a lot about. Sure. And got he got crazy hot for seven eight days, and now he's cooled off again. So I mean, you know better than you know me and Jeff combined. But if there was an easy way to fix it, it would all these things would be fixed, right? Yeah. And and um, you know I've always thought what we underestimate is hey the other guys are trying too. Like they whatever team you're playing, mm-hmm. um, you know they're they're looking for holes in your swing. And, and like Varsho in particular right now, he's getting a ton of high fastballs, right? Like everybody knows it, everybody sees it. And so that's the next adjustment that has to come either lay off them or be able to get on top of them or, or get them down into the zone, whatever it is. Uh, I, I mean, I, I respect what all of these guys, hitters and pitchers, all teams do so much. I, I sometimes just fall back on this stuff's really hard. Yeah. And sometimes really good athletes can make really hard things look really easy, but it's really, really hard. And, and, you know, again, as you know better than anybody, Kevin, it's a it's a game of constant adjustments. I don't care if you're 22 or 39. You gotta you you always got to be adjusting. And I'm listen. We know that Guillermo Martinez and Hunter Mens and Dave Hudgens and Don Mattingly and everybody else like they're working night and day trying to figure it out. And 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 I think things will normalize to a certain extent because you do have a lot of guys with some really good proven track record. Do you think they think that Kirky's about to turn the corner offensively? No. I wouldn't say that. Um, I, I mean, the double he hit last night wasn't smoked. Um, you know, I, I thought he swung the bat better last night, um, but he still doesn't look like the guy from last year. Whoops, sorry. That's my dog. Somebody <laughs> just dropped a package off. There you so go. You, that's our alarm system. That's uh, a good one. I heard it. Yeah. <laughs> Works for me. Run. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and she was sitting peacefully for like uh, the whole, the whole interview until, uh, until she heard something outside. So, um, it, but he doesn't look like the guy he did to me last year. And I know he had two halves last year. The first half was much better than the second half, but he's hitting the ball in the ground a ton. And like, he's, you know, chopping ground balls to third a ton. When I 
think of Alejandro Kirk, I think base hit to right center. And we just haven't seen a whole lot of that. So uh, I know they're working on that. Buck talked about it on the telecast last night. Some of the things they were trying to do in an early BP session that, um, that he was out for, but I, I, you know, again, last night looked better, but it didn't look like a, uh, you know, it's all behind him now. Sure. Uh, do you make anything at all out of the fact that the Jays are 27th in the majors in home runs at home? This newly configured ballpark, Vladdy hasn't hit a home run at home this year. I, 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 look, I think we thought you know, the Jays made all these alterations to the park and they said it was neutral. And I think like I, I kind of rolled my eyes and said, yeah, I bet it's neutral. Yeah. Go ask the pitchers Me if too. it's neutral. Well, yeah. guess what? It may be more neutral than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I'm surprised, too. I remember, you know, just seeing the dimension. I'm sure a lot of us had the same, uh, you know, the same feeling about it is that there would be more home runs hit in the ballpark. And I'm just dialing up uh, stat cast ballpark factors here right now. I'll try to get that in uh, while we're talking. But it sure doesn't seem like there's been as much offense. Let's see. There's the Rogers Center, 26 out of 30 and suppressing home runs so far by a pretty significant margin. Um, I, I will say no. I'm going to fall back on small sample size. Mm-hmm. They've played, uh, well, it was 12 before this homestand, so they played, what, 18, right. something like that, 18 um, home games. And, and I say we check back in July and, and, uh, and see what's up. So, you know, weather could have a little bit to do with it. Again, small sample size can have a little bit to do with it. I don't think they're trying to do anything different because of the configuration of the ballpark. And uh, I just think it's, it's, um, it's one of those things to be on, to be honest with you. Danny, it is confidence thing though. I can remember when I would take batting practice, didn't play a lot in the game, but I took batting practice and I thought I got a ball and I didn't, it didn't go out. You know what I did? I tried harder. I gripped the bat tighter. I overswung like that sort of, I think a little bit when you see a guy that they think they got it, maybe to left center to right center that goes in batting practice and it doesn't go in the game and they sort of, you know, crouch over and they're not real happy about it. And then they try too hard the next at bat. So maybe that's yeah. something to look at. I wonder, uh, yeah, you talk to the team a little bit more and closer than we are. Danny Jansen going to catch Alec Manoa next start. Um, I don't get the, well, uh, here's what I get the feeling. I, I don't get the feeling the Blue Jays think that's an issue. Oh. Uh, now, whether they change it is another story, but I, I haven't talked to anybody who feels that this is a Kirk thing because like Manoa was great the last two years with Kirk. So, yeah. you know, how could it so drastically change this year? I, I think they think the Manoa thing is a Manoa thing, whether it's, you know, mechanics or trying to reach back for a little extra velocity and that, um, you know, that can hinder your command a little bit. Um, you know, if there's anything physical going on, I'm not aware of it. I have not heard anybody say that. So um, I, I think there's a chance they throw Jansen there, but I don't think they think that's the problem. But, you know, sometimes like conversely, your team's not hitting and, you'll, and, and they mix up the batting order and you mm-hmm. say to a manager, why'd you do it? And he kind of just looks at you and he says, well, we had to try something, right? Like that happens. So, you know, maybe they try it with Jano, but I, I don't think they think Kirk's the problem. Dan, do you think if this offense keeps kind of, you know, I don't know what the phrase is, just moving, moving slowly along. Do you think there's a chance that at some point Ross Atkins looks at the lineup? We always talk about, well, bullpen, they're going to have to dress the, bull, the bullpen at some point. You can never have too much starting pitching. Et cetera, et cetera. But at some point, do you think maybe the Jays look at this lineup and ask themselves, and I'm saying Jays management ask themselves, is this, is this team really as complete as we thought it was? 
I think it's possible. I, a couple of things. I think it's still too early. You guys know mm-hmm. how hard it is to get yeah. anything done in the middle of May, right? Oh, yeah. Like, really, yeah, things don't get cooked until the middle of July. No, everybody's May, preparing for the draft right now, for the right, most part. Right, right, um, And then the other question, or the other thing I guess I would say is it depends where the soft spots are when they start looking. Um, like, they've got however many guys you want to say who are everyday regulars. Like, they are who they are. So... Um, I, I guess it depends if you get into July and they're not getting certain production out of certain spots on the roster, you try to improve those, but like your, again, your core guys are your core guys. So, you know, I'm curious, um, in a couple of months, like Brandon Belt showing a lot of great signs recently that he's really come on and become mm-hmm. one of their better hitters recently. That appears to plug a leak that, that maybe they would have had, you know, you want to get as much offense as you can at your catchers. But you're, I think on this team, your catchers are your catchers. I, I don't, I'm not sure how much they're hitting in July is really going to impact that. So, you know, could it be an outfield or could it be a second baseman? I, I, I don't know. I, I, I guess anything is possible, right? Like we've all seen all kinds of crazy stuff um, over the years in baseball. And anything is possible, but um, I think it's probably, you know, much too early still to make that kind of determination. And as you guys know, it feels like nine times out of ten teams are looking for pitching at the deadline anyway, mm-hmm. so uh, I'll, I'll assume that's going to be the case. Danny, does it feel like to you in the bullpen it's the big two and not the big three? And the reason why I say that is Pete Walker went out last night when Jimmy Garcia was about to face Aaron Judge. I don't know what the conversation was like, but I'm assuming it started with make sure you're careful. You got you know, right. you, know you're, you throw right. a bunch of pitches. You may throw too many. I think he threw four different pitches to Aaron Judge. I, I just get the feeling sometimes – that with Jimmy, I don't know if they feel he's a part of the big three. Like, it's the big two, you know, we obviously know Swanson and, and Jordan Armato. And with Jimmy, it's you got to make sure the pocket's right. You got to, yep. you know, you got to make sure that I don't think you want to throw six pitches. Make sure it's only four pitches. Yep. Do I, am I am I, am I I off by feeling that no, way? I, no, I think you're right. I, I think I don't think Garcia has pitched as well this year as he did last year. I thought last year he was kind of an underappreciated part of the bullpen, to be sure. honest with you. Absolutely. And, and got lots and lots and lots of big outs. Last year, he was more in a Swanson role than now. Like, there's no doubt that Swanson is number two on the depth chart. They trust him against righties and lefties. They trust him against the top of the order. Like you said, sometimes it feels like they're trying to find the lane that they feel is the best for Garcia, yeah. whether that's more righties or whether that's the bottom part of the order uh, or whatever the situation may be. I still think he's a good reliever. And, I, and you know, if a reliever's numbers can be inflated early in the season uh, with a couple of bad outings, but yeah, I think they're, you know, Jordan Romano, clearly number one, Eric Swanson, clearly number two. And then I think there, there is a, a bit of a drop off there, but I, I think Garcia and Mesa are the next two guys in the circle of trust. Um, and you know, hopefully they can get, um, and, and they have for the most part, get meaningful outs in, in meaningful situations. They're two good relief pitchers and they're two guys, um, with a, with a proven track record, but you're always looking for more. And, you know, whether that's a Chad green getting healthy, uh, in the second half of the year, or somebody from the minors just forcing their hand and, and, and getting brought up, I don't know, but you can, you can never have enough because if you bring in another guy, whoever it is internally, externally to say, be your number three, well, then your three is your number four and he's better than, you know, he might've been a decent three, but he's a really good four and your four is your five and, you know, and that sort of thing. So you're always, you're always looking to get more if you can, but um, I, I still think Jimmy Garcia has gotten and will get a lot of big outs for this yeah. team. 
Dan, given the way this series has started, how big would it be for the Jays to get a split here? Tonight? Oh, I think it's really, really big in a lot of ways. Um, you know, first of all, they don't play each other again for four months, and you don't play teams in your own division as much as you used to. And to borrow a, a hockey phrase, these are four pointers, right? Mm-hmm. Like you got to and, and all you have to do, I was, I almost said pick up a newspaper, but I don't know what that is anymore. I was going to say, all you have to do is look at the, look at the standings and, you know, look at this division. It's crazy good. And, and the best way to do somebody in this division, at least one team in this division, maybe two uh, are not going to make the playoffs yeah. this year. So, and um, you know, you got, yeah, you got to beat the bad teams, but you got to hold your own against the division. And I think the Jays are five and eight, if I'm not mistaken right now in the division and they got Baltimore coming and then Tampa Bay. So, um, I, I think it's, you know, is it good for momentum and confidence? Yeah. But I think it's big for the standings because you're, you're winning and somebody who you're competing with is losing at the same time and, and not to get too dramatic but this you know this new york baltimore tampa stretch which is 11 games i believe without an off day um whatever happens at the end of the year good or bad i think we may look back on the stretch and say boy that was an important week and a half for this team danny really good of you to join us today thanks so much my friend thanks a lot all right guys we'll see you down on the field absolutely take care it's dan shulman voice of the blue jays in 707 is the first pitch tonight blue jay central on the tv side at uh, it's just, it's just I, you, the only reason I say that about Jimmy Garcia is I, I can I don't know what Petey said to Pete Walker, the pitching coach, when he went out to obviously you know he he was sending a message to whatever that to whatever that was, but I I would assume it would start with be careful if you miss make sure you miss. If he was one of your big three, why would you have that conversation with him? Like if you had that much confidence in him to and you think down the stretch that he's one of your dudes. Like, that's my dude. I'm going to go to him when it matters the most. Well, going to him means you're going to have to face guys like Aaron Judge. Uh, he's a he's a beast in himself, right? There's not too many of him. But the point is, you're going to face really good hitters in big parts of the game. I'm not saying that you read too much into it, but it's just it's it's an interesting thought of, of we're starting to talk about the bench that the Blue Jays have or don't have. And now it's sort of trickled down to they got two guys they're really going to count on, and then there's sort of everybody else. Yeah, I guess. And Jimmy's in the everybody everybody else. I mean, I guess the way I would – I think it's pretty obvious that when it comes to the bullpen and when we talk about the circle of trust, the circle changes all along. The one constant is Jordan Romano. Yeah. But, I, you know, you, we were talking about – who would you rather have to face a lefty hitter right now? I mean, given what Trevor Richards is doing, Trevor Richards would be in my circle of confidence right or now. Swanson. And, and, or Swanson. Now, Trevor Richards would not have – he would have one foot in and one foot out just because you – know, no disrespect to him. He's, you know, he's, he's Trevor Richards. I'm looking at his track record. Mm-hmm. But I think that whole circle of trust thing and, – and maybe that's a reflection of, of what the Jays' bullpen is really all about. There really is only one guy who is in there all the time. And that's the closer. I think Eric Swanson's been in there since the start of the year. I think he's still. I think he still is. He made a stupid. I went back and looked because you were the pitch to to judge was whatever the numbers in the slide on a slider were this year. You're <laughs> absolutely right. I went back and looked. I mean, it was like, I it was why you throw it exactly. Uh, but we haven't seen a lot of that from Eric Swanson that year. That's probably why it was so surprising. Is 
we saw him getting but beaten on his on his third. What it does is that, that's what pitch. you got to face in the playoffs. I think right is that's why me and yeah. you at the beginning of the season were saying weakness. We were banking the weaknesses off of playoffs. Yeah. Like the playoffs, you're facing the best of the best. The lineups that are going to go up and hunt slider from Amato. That's why yesterday when he the tw- the the twelve fastballs and eleven sliders. Oh my! Really? Mm-hmm. If you walked away from that going, because it was the meat of the order. Yep. It was the best hitters they had. You yep. did it too. I th- take away that that is hard to hit. If you can elevate it, feed that slider off the elevated ninety seven. Boy, that might now be you're one of the best gravy. pitches so, Jordan's thrown. Oh, there's no question. That's the, that for me is one of the best outings he's had. He's had a bunch of them, but that's. Just by the way he did it and the way he attacked it was guys, two, is, it was two innings cool and it was a non-save situation. All the stuff confidence. we talked about, it yeah, give him a ton of confidence. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, the, so the circle of trust is is uh, it's a never-ending or always changing. I should say it's an always changing thing. Uh, That's and, why that bullpen thing's very hard to match up because of what you just said. You made a great point about it. it's it's always changing on teams that are are quotes. Yeah, and you winning know, World Series, it should not always no, and change. You know, and the sad thing is, what makes it change? What makes it change is somebody doesn't do their job. Yeah. It doesn't change because somebody pitches their way into it. It changes because somebody doesn't do their job. There it is. That but I think that's the case with that's the case with almost every team. Maybe. Almost every team. Maybe. Uh you know, you know, the Yankees, have, I think it was Susan Waldman who was saying, the Yankees have started to rely on Ian, Ian Hamilton. Now he was hurt. Ian Hamilton at the start of the year wouldn't have been in your your circle of trust. But you know what? That's kind of the way the season is the season has developed. Wandy Peralta was just a guy. Wandy Peralta is now a trusted guy yeah. uh, for the Yankees. But I, I, yeah, you would, the more I watch the Jays bullpen, the more I really, 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 really hope that at some point Chad Green is up, is, is, He's a big deal in this bullpen Espe- in August. Especially, he's, he's especially a, now, you brought up the bench part of it earlier in the show. He is a if you need bigger to fix deal. That, he's he a is, giant deal. He is a bigger deal than people think. Mm. Because if he comes back, a healthy Chad Green is what you will be looking for at the trade deadline if you're the Blue Jays. And if you don't need to go out and upgrade your bullpen that dramatically. Maybe you upgrade at the fringes. Get somebody who's better than the guys in the bottom of your guys, bullpen there, right now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pitch if you go out and get support. a guy like that, that's probably not going to cost you as much as if you have to go out and get, a, and get a guy, a Chad Green type guy, and that allows you to, you know, address your other issues, uh, whether it be starting pitching or as we've talked about more and more, I think the sense that that the lineup needs something. I, the, the one thing I say about a lineup, and I know Dan is right when he come, when he talks about small sample size and things like that. Sometimes, though, I think that there's something to be said for moving early when it comes to position players. You know, Alex Anthopoulos. and and said it on this show, and, and just it, it it's different with pitchers. Pitchers, I might uh, pitchers, I might give. I might err a little differently, right? I might give the pitcher another outing to see if he can get it together because pitchers cost so much. But in terms of, of position players, I, I look at this lineup and I can see this lineup looking exactly the way it looks in in the middle of August. I can see it getting a bit better. I can see George Springer being better. but You could see some more ones, one for 17. And I can see Matt Chapman fall back to earth. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, you know, I don't know about Alejandro Kirk. You know, Bo, I think, is going to be Bo and keep going. So it's, and again, this is a team. This team is paying, it's got a, it's a big, it's a big payroll team now. Yeah. Like they have to be, you have to compare this team to the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Mets and the Dodgers are in a different, different stratosphere, but they're still big market teams. That's kind of the playground the Jays have put themselves in because of their, because of their payroll. And, um, you know, it's, it's when I watch the Jays more and more, I, I, I wonder if we're not seeing, it's not exactly the same as the Leafs where you're really, really, you're, you're, your top end guys are making a ton of money and then you're just trying to throw stuff against the wall at the bottom and, you know, and, and goaltending, you're hoping you catch lightning in a bottle. Mm-hmm. But I do sometimes find myself looking at this team and saying, is this a team with a big payroll that has some serious flaws? And how do you address those flaws? It's a fair question. They're not, and, and I will say this, they're not, they have not been as good and it's not just Alec Manoa. They have not been as good to this point this year as I thought they'd be. And most of that is the lineup. Yep. Right? Most of that is the lineup. Yep. Anyhow. Um, we'll see. But, I mean, but Danny's right. It is. It's May It's May 18th. I think maybe one of the things happening here is because everybody in the AL East is so, so freaking good. good. Yes, the Orioles. Right? The Orioles have screwed it up. You always The Orioles have completely screwed everything up. <laughs> they have. They, the Orioles yeah. have... The Orioles have like take they've taken a grenade and just tossed it the, into the AL. Now the Yankees and the Jays are like ah now it's another team we have to hurdle. Yes, absolutely, exactly. Yeah, uh, Jeff Passan is going to join us uh, in a few minutes. But uh, first, this weekend marks the unofficial start of summer. You know that right? Mm-hmm. With the Blue Jays May two four weekend presented by Ryobi, and to celebrate, we'll be giving away tickets to tomorrow's game against the Baltimore Orioles. To enter, text the code word Gossman to 59590 right now and enter for your chance to win. Again, that's Gossman. Enter the code word Gossman to 59590. It's a weekend you won't want to miss. Also, the first 15,000 entrants on Friday will be getting a Blue Jays mesh hat. And the first 15,000 entrants on Saturday will be getting a Blue Jays pickleball palette. Nice. I wonder if they're, they're going to be giving those out before the game? No. Or after the During game? During the game. During the game? No, before the game, I'm assuming. Yeah. I just when you come in the game. Baseball used to do a thing where they stopped giving things out before the game because people were throwing stuff in the field. Magnet schedules. Uh what was the other one that was oh the little seat cushions, the little little bats. Whoever thought of that, the little bats giving them out before the game, those ended up whirly on the field. Uh the balls, baseballs that were given out before the game, those ended up being tossed. But yeah, I mean what, what the hell? What's what what damage can a pickleball paddle do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give them out. <laughs> why do I just see, because it's Saturday, why do I just see a, like, families at the ballpark with two brothers each holding a paddle ball and just slapping each other over the head with a paddle ball Doesn't it say the ball first 15,000? First 15,000, yeah. So you'd have to give it out as soon as you walk in. Well, like, that would, there you go. That's, hey, the product. That's why that, you have me on this that show. Is the benef- that is the benefit. Holy That's moly. the benefit of a Virginia Tech education right there <laughs> compared to University of Manitoba education. <clears throat> There's no doubt about it. 
Unless it was the first 15,000 people oh, to leave the ballpark. It. Don't ever think it. But they did. They went away from that for a while. And Lance they, is right. It's because of the magnetic schedules. People were, like, flicking the magnetic schedules on the field. You got to be careful of the, the, the stuff you give out. You really do. Jeff Passan is ESPN's MLB insider. Got a lot to talk about with Mr. Passan, as always. We spent a lot of time, a lot of time, a great deal of time talking about this lineup. But my, oh, my, the San Diego Padres. Wow. The San Diego Padres are awful. (laughs) They're not great. They are horrid. What's their lineup hitting with, what, hitting 176 with runners in scoring position or some stupid number like that? Baseball. And they got everybody. They can't go out and get anybody else. Unlike no. the Blue Devils. Who are you trading for? Who are you going to trade for? <laughs> trade Soto for Otani? I mean, I don't know. They, they got everybody. They They've do. got all your players. They do. They've got all your players. I blame the manager. <laughs> Bob Melvin does a better job when he has a, you know, when he's kind of flying yeah. by the seat of his yeah. pants with the Oakland When he's Athletics. not supposed to win. Anyhow, we'll talk to, that. We'll talk to Passon about the, uh, we'll talk to Passon about the Mets. We'll talk about the Padres. Of course, the Blue Jays as well. We'll get his take on uh, the Domingo Herman suspension. Ten games, Domingo Herman has been suspended by Major League Baseball. Um, and uh, as a result of the uh, substance, the sticky substance stuff. And uh, I, wanna, I also want to talk to Passon about whether or not he thinks, you know, the separation we're seeing in the standings it means that perhaps the trade market might heat up a little more, uh, a little ahead of time this year. Because there's a lot of good teams with a lot of good players who aren't going to be in the playoffs. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590, the fan Sportsnet 360, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. In-depth Blue Jays coverage with an analytical twist. Jays Talk Plus with Blake Murphy. Be sure to subscribe and download Jays Talk on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to Blair and Barker. But on a reminder, we'll be moving 5 to 7 uh, Monday, which is Victoria Day. They celebrate Victoria Day in the United States. Uh, Bringing Jeff Passan. I live in Canada. ESPN's MLB insider. I know it's Memorial Day. I was just kidding, but thanks for clearing that up. Hey, Mr. Passan, how you doing? I am so enjoying this Blue Jays-Yankees series. I just wanted to like get that on the record very quickly. Um, there have been a lot of great series so far this year, but this is like everything I would love baseball to be. It's good baseball, first off, between two good teams. But beyond that, there's drama and there's insults and there's uh, you know, I, I, by the way, if I should just say this, I, I didn't get the sense that Dan Schulman or Buck Martinez were accusing Aaron Judge of cheating. Absolutely nope. not. They were not. Yeah, absolutely I, not. I didn't, I, and so, and so, I didn't think that those two are so good at their jobs. They are. Like, God, you you are so lucky. Yeah. To get to listen to them every night. I I don't know Buck personally. I know Dan, and I adore him and think he's the best. And the fact that a play-by-play guy picked that up 
shows how damn good Dan Schulman is at his job. But so the you know the, the fake cheating, which wasn't cheating, it was just really good baseball acumen by the New York Yankees picking up the fact that Jay Jackson was tipping, followed by actual cheating with Domingo Herman putting whatever he had on his hand. Like this series has had everything, and it's been awesome as a fan to watch. Yeah, it's not often you get a third base coach and a pitching coach going back and forth. Nope. That that's that that is good that's good stuff. <laughs> you know. Poor Brad Wilkerson, by the way. I, I know. I did, I actually I'm gonna seek I'm gonna find him. I was not at the park yesterday. I'm gonna find him today on the field because I covered him when he was with the Expos. Um, yeah. I remember actually doing a story on him the day he was drafted. Uh, he's he's he he was he was a fun dude to cover and uh I, I just yeah, I just the the whole thing with fat boy thing is is just um, I'm i it's you know what there there's so much texture to this series from the oh, serious to the to the childish to the yes it's great and unfortunately it, it, you know what it is man it's it's like it's like baseball just turned up to eleven yes I love it yeah unfortunately I love it unfortunately they don't play each other again until the end of September. Oh, thanks to the schedule. I like I I I get the balanced schedule. I understand the reasons behind it, but and it helps the AL East, frankly, because Mm -hmm. the AL East is just so much better than every other division. But man, I would rather see all those teams play each other 19 times instead of 15. Uh, I want to talk to you about Liam Hendricks. You uh, went down to Charlotte to speak to Liam Hendricks, who was rehabbing down there in his uh, battle back, his fight back from non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. And, and, and you know, first of all, I, I, you know, I've seen some interviews with him. He seems to be doing well. He looks good. Uh, what are... I, not being an expert in this, Jeff, and not, you know, I don't, haven't spoken to anybody who, who has gone through this as a professional athlete. What does Liam Hendricks expect from himself when he gets back there? Is it, is it going to be all systems go or is there, is he going to have to follow a certain program or, or change things? No, I, I think he, well, okay. I, I think it's important to differentiate what he expects from himself with what, the world should expect from him. What he expects from himself is to be the all-star closer and, you know, arguably the best reliever in baseball that he's been for the last five years. Um, and, and that I think is, you know, uh, that's natural. That's normal. Uh, whatever you go through, you want to come back and be the same version of yourself. And I don't doubt that he can be that, but I also know that he went through a, pretty grueling last six months and to even be back on the field as quickly as he's back is miraculous. I mean, and I think a testament to his, his hard work and his will and all of the things that define him. Um, You got to know Liam in Toronto, Mm -hmm. I imagine, and, and, and know what a, like what a spectacular soul he is. Like he's just a deep down good human being. Uh, but he turns into an absolute killer on the field. And it's kind of hilarious to see, like, this kind-hearted dude who puts together Legos and, uh, you know, reads young adult fiction mm-hmm. and has all all of these sort of like uh, like this childlike wonder looking at the world go onto the field and want to tear out your intestines. Like, that. that's actually how he approaches it. He pitches best when he's angry and... 
So, uh, you know, when you're facing a, a life-threatening illness like he was, um, it, it forces you to, to look at the world a little bit differently and uh, through some kinder eyes. So I think that that ultimately is going to be the biggest battle for him. Like, how does he get mad when him being out there, frankly, is not something that should be happening? Uh-huh. So I, I'm curious to see that. I'm curious to see the, the physical side of things. You know, he had the, the one outing where I saw him pitch. Of course, I go down there and he gives up two home runs and, and four runs. So that's the, the classic pass and jinx. Um, but the, the stuff, you know, the stuff's going to get back to where it was. He hasn't pitched for a long time. And when he was pitching last, he was doing it with cancer ravaging his body, yeah. which is a wild thing to think about. Like, this is not something that just came on. You don't get stage four non-Hodgkin lymphoma uh, overnight. This is something that uh, was persistent throughout the year last year. And the fact that he did what he did is absolutely incredible. We root for him. He's a great dude. I want to ask you a question. After watching the Yankees and the Blue Jays and the Orioles, and you could throw the Red Sox in there, who do you think is the second best team in the American League East? Oh, that's such a hard question, Kevin. I I think right now it's probably the Orioles, Mm. but – you could certainly convince me after they went out and disposed of the Braves the way that they did that it's the Blue Jays. And you could convince me that, uh, you know, the way that they uh, handled the the Jays in the first couple games of the series, two close games, two good games with Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo doing their things, that it's the Yankees, especially if they get healthier. And uh, with the offense, that the Boston Red Sox have. I know their pitching is not good, but that offense has been magnificent all year long. I believe they're the third highest scoring team in baseball this year behind uh, Tampa and Texas. Mm-hmm. And and so I, I don't think the Red Sox are quite in the conversation because of their pitching, but uh, I look at Baltimore and its strengths. Um, the lineup is good. The starting pitching is problematic. The bullpen is elite, maybe the best in baseball, particularly the back end with Bautista Cano uh, and Baker. Like, it's nasty facing them in 7-8-9. And their defense is really solid everywhere. And the thing about the Orioles is I, I feel like they have more to add than everyone else. Like, with the Blue Jays, if they're going to add, it's probably going to be from the outside, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, though so there's with nothing the Yankees, down in the farm. Yeah, with the Yankees, or at least nothing close. No. I mean, especially with Tiedemann getting hurt. I mean, you know, if he if he comes back, maybe you see him, like, later in the season out of the bullpen. And I suppose uh, they could get Ryu back as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you, you can't bank on that. The, the Orioles' AAA roster is stacked right now. Colton Kowser uh, is... Uh, absolutely raking. Jordan Westberg, I think, has the third or fourth most extra base hits in the minor leagues. Um, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm not completely putting the possibility of Jackson Holiday playing in the big leagues this year hmm. off the table. Right. Jackson Holiday, by the way, was the number one pick overall in the draft last year out of high school, and he's so good that he could play in the big leagues right now and be successful. I think. 
He, over the last, and this isn't just recency bias, by the way, because over the last two days, uh, there was a stretch in which he was eight for eight with like two or three triples, a couple of doubles, a home run, and a couple of singles. Like he, he is a an absurdly advanced hitter, and it it would not surprise me at all. Uh, if if he came up to the big leagues and succeeded at 19 years old. But the Orioles, you know, they're probably going to slow play that a little bit. And so he's just going to be a problem next year instead. Like, the Orioles are going to be around for a while, guys. And if they do what they should do and go out and sign some starting pitching this offseason, they may be a problem every bit as much as the Rays and the Yankees and the Red Sox in the forthcoming years. And the American League East is not going anywhere. Nope. Do you uh, do you think because we we we've seen a you know we're seeing the separation in in the standings and because there are fewer games within your division this year so they're gonna, it's going to be hard for teams that have gotten off the slow starts to to you know to to at least say well we've got we've got 15 games left against so and so we can make up those games do you think we may see more trades earlier this year because of that or do you think that we will, you know, see the usual, and that is, you know, a week before the trade deadline, stuff will really kick up? It's a great question, and I wish I had a good answer to it. Um, Do you have a feel I don't for right it? now? Based, I mean, based on everything I'm told so far, mm-hmm. the trade market hasn't really started at this point. Right. Like, there's, you know, uh, if you look, for example, at St. Louis. Like the Cardinals should be trading from their outfield surplus. They just should just clear the decks and land on a a set number of guys who play regularly instead of constantly shifting and try and address weaknesses that you have, whether it's in the rotation or in the bullpen. Uh, But, but the Cardinals haven't seemed particularly inclined to do so. Uh, The White Sox, I mean, this tells you how bad the central is. I think the White Sox, even with a you know one of the worst run differentials in baseball and one of the worst records in baseball, are still holding out hope. They're only I think eight games back of the Twins right now. So uh, I I think your premise is solid and correct, but I'm not sure that the market is necessarily reacting in that way yet. Now we could get to June first, Jeff, and things change, um, but. I, I think teams really value teams that are selling particularly, and I think this will be a seller's market. What's wrong? I think teams oh, that sorry. are selling really, really value the leverage that they get with the deadline. Mm-hmm. And that as much advantage as a team gets by acquiring a guy June 1st as opposed to July 31st, uh, that they feel they can get even more if they wait till the end and have multiple bidders trying to, you know, in a frenzy, feverishly going after a guy. There could be five teams in the American League East looking for people, which will be fun. Absolutely. What's going on with the Padres? Um, well, I think it starts with their offense, right? Like, you have an offense with Fernando Tatis Jr., Xander Bogarts, Juan Soto, and Manny Machado. And it is the second lowest scoring offense in the National League ahead of only the Miami Marlins, whose offense is laughably bad. And and the, this is a Marlins team, by the way, that's in second place in the National League somehow. Um, they, they just win all their one-run games. And 
that's going to even itself out eventually. Uh, but the Padres have not gotten their offense going, and while their pitching has been really good, if you can't score runs, you're not going to win ball games. And something something needs to change there. Uh, something needs to be shaken up there because what they have right now is not working. And this is a team that was put together to win a championship, and at this rate, they're not even going to be playing in October. Like it, it's it's a team that just looks like it needs something to be shaken up in order to, you know, in order to knock it back uh, it, online. It, it's almost like a, uh, you know, a, a, this freight train, this this beautiful, massive freight train that was built, and, you know, within the first mile of running, it's derailed. Jeff, really good of you to join us Great as stuff. always. Be well, my friend. Thanks, Have a uh, good long weekend. Yeah, enjoy. Boys, you do the same. Take Thank care. You. Thanks a lot. Jeff Passon is MLB insider at ESPN. That's great thought. Great news on Liam Hendricks. Wonderful. Really good news on Liam Hendricks. But also, yeah, the, the great question about the Padres and great answer from Jeff. I mean, I, I mean it, 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 just not, it just does not make sense. Last and average, 27th in runs, like Jeff said. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know what you, when you have that many alpha males in one lineup, is that a good thing? Like there's a lot, like there's a lot of them. That's a, that's a, like you, that, that would mean when one of them's struggling, it's sort of hard on all the other ones. And then you have two or three of them struggling all at the same time. You, you see, you saw what it was like when, when Josh Donaldson was in the, in the Blue Jays clubhouse, when he was 0 for 15, how it was. Imagine when there's, if there was three or four JDs in a clubhouse, how it would go. Alpha males are different than everybody else. They just are. So, I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but just seems just seems it seems like expectations and alpha males. I'm not sure go hand in hand a lot of the times. No, I find it. I find there. It doesn't surprise me that the Dodgers are doing well. They, regardless of what the Padres do, but I really. I expected the Padres to be more of a going concern right now. Those were alarming offensive numbers. Yeah. And you know, Juan Soto, I mean, I don't know. It, has it, how much do you think? I think is, he how leads their you, team in homers and RBIs, so he just average-wise is not is not doing great. Right. But still, don't you think that Tatis the games – Don't doing you great. think Manny that the game's, not doing great. the game's perception of Juan Soto has changed a bit? Well, everybody was saying he's the left-handed Vladimir Guerrero Jr. He should be the the next level up above Devers. He he for me is not even close to either one of those. Like I I I, 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 I just don't. I'm with I you. mean, he had one. He's basically hanging his jacket on one season. I mean, unless he just comes out and and catches fire for the rest of the season, is is sort of that guy, and he forces a team's hand to be the guy to get paid like the guy. But again, I, I just, I just wonder, I've never been on a team like that where you have that many great hitters in one lineup or air quotes supposed to be great hitters. And when they're struggling all at the same time, or two or three of them are struggling at the same time, what's the conversation like? Is it a conversation? Is it bad? Do I hate you? Do I not want to talk to you? Like, one Soto's trying to get paid. The other guys on that team are paid already. Is the conversation different between him and the people that are already paid? Like, it's a thing. Like, there's – I just don't know. I don't know if that's – it's an interesting thought. 
Yeah, it's... Uh, Maybe you can have too many. Jeff? I mean, it hasn't... Well, I was going to say it hasn't worked so far. It hasn't worked to the degree they want it. I think I, I, I would think if they'd had the answer, they would have solved it. Yeah. Fixed it. And they'd be raking I think maybe part of the issue, too, is because they're on the West Coast. We just don't see a lot of them, and we don't really know what's what necessarily what's going on there. But uh, it is strange. To me, that's stranger than the Mets thing. Mets thing, I can almost understand. That I don't Injuries, understand. Yeah. That I don't understand. Yeah. That's it for us. Mr. Barker, myself, we're doing Blue Jays Talk tonight. Please join us immediately following the Jays game. We will back, be back here tomorrow from 10 to noon Eastern on Sportsnet 590, the fan of Sportsnet 360. You have yourself a great day.